You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. John 10.10 says, I have come that you may have life to the full. And for my guest today, that verse isn't merely a comfort or pick-me-up. It's a decree, a mantra for life. And it is the very thing that has turned her darkest days into a light that is too bright not to share. One of Christian music's most beloved voices, Natasha Owens' path to a successful music career is unique, rooted in agonizing heartache and unbelievable tragedy. The themes of grief, heartbreak, redemption spread throughout her music, which served as therapy for her along the way. And she is here to share her courageous story as a means to inspire others while always making sure to meet listeners exactly where they're at. She has toured with some of Christian music's best-selling artists, Michael W. Smith, Jason Crabb, Matthew West, Audio Adrenaline, and that's just to name a few. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome one of the most popular voices in Christian music today, Natasha Owens. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, I want to ask you something because as I was going through a lot of the information about your background, why did you become a mental health advocate? Because I downspiraled in depression dealing with my father's death. And um, I, I firmly believe that it's something that is almost still a taboo in today's society. The church doesn't deal with depression or mental health very well. And it's something that I think we all need to improve on. Well, you know, can you kind of give us the backstory of what actually happened to your father? So 11 years ago this past May, my dad was cleaning his guns. I'm from Texas. We have an arsenal of guns, but we are big time safety advocates. And he was, I don't know anybody else that uh, had more safety down, but he made a mistake. So he's sitting at the table, a bullet was in the chamber. It went off and hit him in the heart. And life as I knew it, just was completely gone and paused within 90 seconds he was gone and so um, i tried to be the strong one in the family and i didn't deal with my grief i put it off stayed too busy uh, and did not give it to god and on the year mark i downspiraled into a deep depression and uh so fast that i didn't even realize to myself how quickly i had gone and god crossed my path at the perfect timing my pastor asked me to be a music minister and he called and said, I need you to step up. And I said, well, I can't even get out of bed every day and I'm in depression, so I, I'm not the one for you. And he just kept calling. And he called on a day that the devil had already convinced me that the world would be a better place without me. And that's such a lie from the enemy. And so I said yes to some, a position that I wasn't qualified for, that I wasn't in the mental or physical shape to even take. And I struggled with severe anxiety, so I had a problem even stepping out. But God said the right things to me that day. And I can honestly say I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for him crossing my path. So I am still on a recovery path and my music revolves around each chapter of my recovery. Well, you know, it's amazing how the Lord brings people in our, into our life and just keeps poking at us. You know, we, <laughs> it seems like a lot of us, and I have that tendency as well to, to just say no. You always say no first because it kind of gives you some breathing room to maybe look at the situation before you ever say yes. 
right. and that's okay. But <laughs> in your case, it's, it's really a testament to how the Lord never gives up. He has a purpose. He had a calling for you. So he sends the pastor just to keep poking at you until you finally said yes. And look where you are today. I know. And I mean, I'm a Southern girl. I was very blunt. I said, I think I was very clear with you. I, it was a hard no. It wasn't just that no and I'll think about it. And what pastor puts a, uh, a worship minister on, on staff and on the platform that can't even read their Bible or pray? And I was honest with him. And he said, it's a process. And for some reason, this is your lifeline. And he said, I feel like it's your last lifeline. And I feel like you're just so tired. And I was, I was mentally and physically exhausted and I just wanted some rest. And unfortunately, I thought that that meant a suicide route. I just was so tired of living life. And, um, but God is a God of second chances and he put me back together. It was a very slow process. We want very quick and easy drive-through, uh, you know, restoration, but some things take longer and uh, he, he pulled me out and I'm very thankful for that. So it sounds like to me, you had a very close relationship with your father and with his literally sudden pa passing with no warning whatsoever. Did it just feel like you had nothing to hold on to? I did. The shock lasted for months. I, I, I wasn't living in reality that it had, it had actually happened. And, um, you know, I was so close to him. I always say that he was almost like both parents to me. Um, I just had a rocky relationship with my mom growing up and um, I had never, like most people say, I had never lived or breathed on this earth without my dad breathing too and how to overcome that and I had two kids of my own. When I struggled, when I grieved, they grieved too and so I tried to be strong for them and um, my down spiral was the things that I spoke. The scripture says in Proverbs that we have the power of life and death in our tongue. That's how powerful our speech is. And I spoke negativity because I questioned why. And that's a dangerous question because most of the time you will not get an answer. And I down spiraled because of the things that I spoke became my reality and the things that I thought. And it was very, very hard to dig out once I got so far uh, past that. I couldn't give my, my cares to God. Well, let me ask you this. Were you the one that found your father? I was not my mom. I was actually supposed to have lunch with him that day and um, we run our own businesses and I got busy and delayed and couldn't have lunch and it happened like at one o'clock. And so I had to, I blame myself because I thought if I had just managed my time better and been there, that wouldn't have happened, right? It was just a mistake. My mom found him. Um, she had actually went to get get them something to eat. They were moving back to Tennessee because he, he was retiring. And it happened while she was gone and she didn't even know it was a gunshot at first. So they secured the crime. They treated it like a crime scene at that point. And um, it was a very difficult day of answering questions about his mental health, about their marriage, about his relationships, uh, because they couldn't rule anything out at that point. But I just kept praying, God, give us some kind of closure, which most families don't get. And the very next day, the police were able to tell us every aspect of what he was thinking through his actions of how what he did. And then it was it was 100 percent an accident, which gave a lot of peace very quickly, which I'm thankful for. Yeah. A lot of times when things are so out of control in a horrible, horrible circumstance, you can always find positives in it. And you have to hang on to those to give you a little bit of peace.
Yeah, and I think, you know, even with instances like that, just trying to get an answer can bring peace to those left behind. I mean, and I can understand what the police were thinking because if you just looked at it on the surface, it looked like he did it to himself, but it wasn't. It was just simply an accident. So let me ask you this, Natasha, because once you said yes to the pastor to become a music minister at your church, how did that process help you overcome this tragic situation? You know, it's funny. When God calls you out, He calls you out of your comfort zone. He calls you out into positions that you're not equipped for. When you're weak, He's strong. And here I was struggling with anxiety. I was struggling with depression. Um, And I I realized very quickly that I would turn on a, a worship song and that 30 seconds later, 60 seconds later, I was out of bed. And so I used that until I got stronger. And it was a path to overcome anxiety, to learn how to minister and learn how to give it to God and get through recovery. And it was a training ground for what I'm doing now. And I didn't even realize it at the time that, you know, I got out on the road, we created a CD and there's so many stories to my uh, testimony that would just blow you away of how it came about. So we created music called um, I Made It Through, the first CD. And that was the first chapter of my recovery, making it through a trial, then getting to a point where I could actually rise above it, which is different than making it through. It's actually helping others along the same path. And so the second chapter of my recovery became a CD called We Will Rise. And then came Warrior and then came Stand. So just when I think God is finished with me and I've learned everything that I need to learn, he brings me on a different journey, on a different aspect, a deeper level to help people at a deeper level. And so that's why I say I'm still in recovery. It took a while to dig out of that hole. But from that point forward of me saying yes um, to a situation that did not make sense to me at the time, um, I did not get further away from him. And um, I am, it's a universal message that we're out on the road. I thought it was going to be to help people with grief. But when you go through something faith shaking, it's the same stages of grief. So it's become a universal message for us. Well, did the tragedies and your sudden rise to fame, did it complicate your battle with depression? It did. Uh, You know, it was very complicated. So it, you know, I would have good days and bad days. Um, I still look at it as a journey that I kept moving forward. Um, So the, the rise to fame was hard for me on the aspect of anxiety and feeling like uh, it happened so quickly and my story is so backwards that I didn't feel like I was equipped or even qualified to be on the same stage as a Grammy winner. And uh, I was on tour with a Grammy winner and he sat me down and he said, I see every night that you struggle with anxiety and there's this war that's inside of you. He said, I wanna tell you something. God never calls people who are equipped but he will equip who he calls and just rest in that, that every stage that you're going to walk, God is going to give you the tools that you need to get through that stage. And from that point on that anxiety, I mean, it's still there. I still wrestle with it. Um, The toughest parts for me is, you know, 30 minutes before I hit the stage up until that first note, but God is with me and um, he's taught me so much. You know, it's a battlefield of the mind with depression. It's a battlefield of the mind with anxiety. And so um, I have to use the same principles that I did to dig out of depression 
to conquer my anxiety on a stage every day. Well, you know, it's amazing because to me, if you keep doing this over and over again, you know, you, you know, you're going out on stage. <laughs> to me, the anxiety should eventually disappear. But I know from personal experience, it really, sometimes it just doesn't. <laughs> You know, when I get to, I know. you know, when I'm blessed to, to speak with people like you, some people don't make me nervous. And every once in a while you get one, you're like, how did I get into this? And, uh, you know, but God has a plan. And, and I love the yeah. fact that you can actually see the steps that God has put before you or, or the steps that you've taken and that you've held his hand. And that's what he's called us to do is to hold his hand along the way. And he's just all he's ever saying, trust me, don't lean on what you're understanding. Lean on to me. And and okay. then you notice, too, when you go out on stage and the first note hits, you're fine, aren't you? I, I'm Yes, most of the time I'm fine. You know, if it was the same situation every single day with uh, the same circumstances ha around you, the same I would be a whole lot better at tackling this anxiety, but things happen, right? Uh, especially we're on the front lines of the, of the battlefield when it comes to spiritual warfare. So if someone's in that audience that that is hanging on by a lifeline that really needs to hear what I have to say, I'm fault. I'm fault until I get to that stage. The sound doesn't work right. The videos won't won't fire right. Something always happens that just winds you up. And you just have to say, God, I feel like I can't go out there. I feel like I'm weak, but this is when you shine and I give it all to you. And I say that prayer, I'm humbled to be in your presence and I'm not worthy of being on the stage, but just use me. And if they feel you and hear you, then I've done my job. And so that's the prayer that I say the moment I'm walking out to that stage and, you know, I guess autopilot kicks in once I hit the first note and peace comes in and he's with me. But I get I get in my head and you hear that with a lot of people, um, di just different circumstances and different people that you're out on the road with. Some are definitely more intimidating than others. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny because, you know, you know, we for people like us, we're, we're you know, we're in the media and you put yourself out there. But it's amazing that when you allow the Lord to take over the things that happen. And it's funny how you were talking about getting anxiety if, oh, if the video doesn't uh, work right, or maybe the sound is a little off, or there's a glitch before the show starts and you can't start on time. Sometimes we just put ourselves, or we put ourselves in like, oh my gosh, that's part of my identity. Uh, the people that are coming to, to see this are gonna think this whole thing is, is just uh, not as great as they expected to be right. because we all have high expectations of ourselves in the, th in the jobs that we do. But it's funny because even last week for me, I was in the middle of an interview and we had a power outage. And the funny thing was, is I didn't panic. The guest was still on because I have a, a big battery backup and the guest just looked at me and uh, he goes, you know, if I was on that side, I'd be freaking out about right now. And I started laughing, but I said, what can you do? You just go with the flow. And I think a lot of times the Lord just wants us to go with the flow and let him take care of the details. 
he's in the details and people don't realize that he has a personalized path for everyone and you know sometimes he just wants to jerk the reins of control out of your hands and take them and for a control freak and a perfectionist such as I that is very hard not to pull those reins back uh, but it always works better when he's in control and takes over anyway well, absolutely. And I, and, I, and I understand the whole control freak thing because I, I, I got that. Well, let me ask you this because during your shows, or at, I should say, let me ask you about after the shows. What kind of testimonies can you share with us today of people coming up to you and maybe sharing a story with you that uh, changed their life because of your music? Let me tell you, sometimes I'm in awe of the testimonies and I'm looking at these people thinking, how are you still standing? Your situation was so much worse than mine. I feel small in your presence, you know, um, and I just sometimes they need prayer. Sometimes they need comfort. We have had unbelievable things happen and, you know, it, that has made it all worth it. For instance, one example, one one night uh, I, I had been fought all day. Something happened at, the, at home with my kids and I just wanted to be home. I'd been out on the road a long time and I got really emotional. And I said, I, I can't even go out there tonight. They're just going to have to say I'm sick. And I mustered up the strength to get out there, but I was an emotional basket case. That not, that particular night, um, and I had already said earlier in the day, this is just not for me. I don't think I can do this anymore, right? I was just the point of quitting. And I go out there, and it was an extra emotional show for me. I felt like I was a mess, but God showed up and used me so, he was so powerful that night. And I had a guy that came up to me, broke line in the merch line, and came up to me and hugged me and about broke my back. And he said, thank you. And he had tears in his eyes, and he just walked away, and I couldn't get him to come back and talk to me. And so um, Jason Crabb that night, he came on our bus, and he said, there was a guy that came up, and he about broke my back. And I said, I know the guy. He gave me a great adjustment, and he said, did you hear his story? He actually was planning on committing suicide that particular night. And his family had, he'd lost his father. His family had bought tickets to the show and had bought him one and begged him to come. In his mind, he was gonna see them before the show, tell them goodbye in his own way. And then while they were at the show, he was gonna commit suicide. Well, the plans were derailed because the people got stuck in traffic, his family, and had to go straight to the concert. And they said, you know, why don't you come up here? And he ended up coming to the show, ended up staying for the first five minutes and ending up staying for the complete show. And he said, I feel like God has given me a second chance tonight. I had denounced God because I was so angry and her words penetrated and I feel like I have a second chance. And we've had story after story after story of how God's crossed my path with atheists who has given themselves to God. Um, just different seeds that have been planted, whether at the concert or before or after. And God is so, so, so good. I am so, um, like I said, humble to be able to be a uh, vessel for him. Oh, yeah. I love the power of music. And when it comes to praise and worship and uplifting uh, songs like yours, I mean, have you ever grasped the, the essence of the power that that music has upon the people that are listening and people that come to your shows? You know, you never know the depth of how far it's reaching or how powerful it's penetrating. I do know just from my recovery that sometimes when people's words or 
pastor's words or sermons don't penetrate. Music is a universal language that penetrates on a totally different level. It's what brings worship into the place. It's what bring God, brings God into your presence. And so, um, like I said, I have to focus every time. It's not about me. I try to be perfect. It's not about every perfect note or every perfect pitch. It's about the fact if I can connect and have a flow from him and connect to that crowd, then he can do miraculous things. And so, you know, I know that. I know how powerful music is. But every time he does something, I sit back with tears in my eyes and say, this is why we do what we do. This is why we don't quit. Even if it's just for one soul to be saved, we've got to keep going. And so, uh, like I said, I'm in awe every time I know of how far that reach, how far my music has, has gotten to someone. Well, you have a very powerful testimony. And now we're coming into the season in which all believers celebrate the birth of Christ. So tell us about your Christmas album, Christmas Memories, but more importantly, I want to hear about Christmas Memories Deluxe Edition. So tell us about that. So when COVID hit, I had a bucket list of things that I always wanted to do, but never had accomplished. And the Christmas CD was one of them because it is my favorite time of the year. It was my dad's favorite time of the year. And he just had all these little habits, rituals, things that he would do every single year to make Christmas a little bit more special. And so we wanted to do a CD. So last year we put out a music video in September of a early Christmas song because the year was so horrible for everyone. I wanted to bring Christmas early of a, of a Christmas summer Christmas song of just, you know, you celebrate Christmas all year round. We all know someone who has their Christmas tree up year round. I know I do. And I want to be like them because I wish I could celebrate all year. So we put out a 10 song Christmas CD called Christmas Memories last year and had a Christmas tour and had a blast with it. Well, this year I said, you know what? There's so many songs. There's several songs that I want to do that did not make it in that top 10. So let's just do a deluxe version. One of the things that we do every Christmas is we watch Christmas Vacation. It's just been a tradition since I was a teenager. And um, love, love, love the, just the dumb humor, right? So we did the Christmas Vacation song. We did the Spirit of Christmas that Ray Charles did in the movie um, of Christmas Vacation. And then we thought, you know what? We don't have one with a big orchestra. So we did It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year with the Nashville Orchestra. Then I thought, you know what, let's do something really funny and crazy that it won't go to radio, but it will be great for a live show. People don't really know me and know the things about me that I grew up a tomboy, um, that they just see me in a pair of high heels. and They think I'm just a little princess, right? But they don't know the things like I love to shoot guns and I love sweet tea and I'm, I'm clumsy, but I love to wear high heels. So I have to have ankle surgeries quite often and that I have two wonderful boys and three English bulldogs and a husband that is just so crazy. He drives me crazy half the time. So we decided to do a 12 days of Christmas uh, about my family and me. So it's very well-rounded and it's just a fun, fun, fun deluxe version. And we are creating a book that's gonna be in my hands in two weeks. That's gonna have the deluxe CD. It's gonna have lyrics and pictures, pictures from the music video pictures of me as a child at Christmas and my boys as children at Christmas and recipes of um, 
you know, dishes that have I've made with my family throughout growing up and I've made now for my for my current family with my boys and my husband. And so we just wanted to bring a little bit of our Christmas to your Christmas. Wow, I, I love that. And I love the fact that you, the four songs that you added, because even yesterday I was listening to your version of Christmas Vacation. And it was funny because I was sitting there and I, I'm, I'm working and uh, I'm, I'm having the, the song play. And for some weird reason, I sat there and I goes, you know, that song would be great in a movie. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> That is in the movie. That's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> and I think you did it so well that I, it, it's almost, it, it should have been in the original because that's how great Aww. you did it. And then you just said that you did the Ray Charles song that's in the movie. And we always have this discussion every year. And a lot of people don't know this about that Ray Charles song. Uh, and, it, and it's called, is it, it is Christmas? Christmas. The that song is not available anywhere to buy. You can't even listen to his version on Spotify or mm -hmm. iTunes. It is, I mean, and, and we're always trying to figure out. So you basically have to record it off the movie just to hear <laughs> the song. But it is so great that you did that song because I think it's one of the best Christmas songs ever written. It, there's just something so special about it. And it is. so ladies and gentlemen, Natasha Owens, what an incredible testimony. And knowing that it's Christmas season, we are to celebrate the birth of Christ. And here's a great thing about God. He also loves for us to have fun. And, and Natasha, it sounds like the songs that you've added to the album, create that fun because it's that, it's that time of year. So for you, what are some of your fondest Christmas memories? You know, we had traditions like on Christmas Eve, we would watch either Home Alone or Christmas Vacation. And my dad just loved that type of humor. And we would we would all load up in the car, grandma and everything, and we would take um, a tour of all the Christmas lights we could find around the city on Christmas Eve. Then we would come home and I would lay out cookies for Santa, but we would have to lay out celery and carrots for the reindeer because my father said they have to be hungry they're doing all the work they're pulling santa in the sleigh right so he he did things that i did for my boys like i would wake up the next morning and there would be bites out of this carrot and celery and there would be a trail all the way outside down all the way down the driveway to the street and i would get so excited because I would say, oh my gosh, the reindeer were in here, right? They were in my house. And he, he, he got a kick out of the, my reaction, you know, and he was, he was kind of a neat and clean freak, perfectionist. And he would say, I know, we're gonna stop doing that because every single year those reindeer get in here and they just make a muck, they make a mess of this place. And so that was one tradition that I did with my boys that they absolutely, absolutely loved it. They, they waited to, to see what a mess they were gonna make the next year. And me and my husband had a fun time, uh, you know, helping those reindeer make that mess. And um, so we did things like that. But my, my father was always revolved around not only um, receiving gifts, he loved gifts, but he loved to give them and he loved to see the reaction. And so his father, his father was an alcoholic, left his family when at a young age 
and he found him, he was homeless. He found him homeless, drunk in a ditch. And so we would do things for the homeless around Christmas because he would say, even though I found my father, that right there could be my father and that right there could be my father. And you don't know what their story is. And so he loved to give back. And so that's what we've instilled in my kids. And I hope you see that through the song of Christmas memories and just things that it's just more important to share Christ and the love and spirit of Christ than it is anything else about Christmas. Oh, amen to that, Natasha. Now, where can all of my viewers and listeners go to learn more about you, your tour schedule, and of course, purchasing the amazing Christmas Memories Deluxe Edition? They can go to natashaowensmusic.com. That will show you the store, the tour schedule, and that will, um, with a click of a button, you can be at any social media platform that I am and how to download the music. So just go to natashaowensmusic.com. All right, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. For Natasha Owens, Christmas Memories Deluxe Edition. This is a fantastic album. And again, go to Natasha owensmusic.com is there at the bottom of your screen find out where she's going to be on tour when she comes to your area buy the tickets buy the merch and of course buy the music so natasha thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me i appreciate it so much all right well merry christmas to you as well and also have a happy new year you too merry merry christmas all right, ladies and gentlemen, Natasha Owens. Again, go to natashaowensmusic.com. And as for me, I'll be right back after this.